0: I'm Jeffrey, and this is the Passionate About OSS podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to shine a light on the brilliant minds of the OSS and telco industry, to describe some of their background, but also to share some of their fantastic knowledge, tips, and techniques. In today's episode, we'll take a look at how NAS transformation or network as a service transformation can revolutionize your OSS and BSS stack. Today's guest has been a passionate evangelist for the telco industry and OSS specifically for decades. Even more specifically, she's now evangelizing the next big thing in OSS and BSS, and that is networking as a service, aka NAS. So much so that she started an organization whose primary purpose is to promote best practices around NAS transformation. Backing that up. Our guest has a wealth of experience working with the iconic organisations in our industry, including Nortel, Newbridge Networks, Alcatel Lucent, Nokia, Ericsson, Oracle, Analysis Mason, TM Forum, Telstra, and Sienna Blue Planet. Some pretty big names there, important names in our industry. I really share our guest's passion for NAS and what NAS can mean for our industry, so I'm really looking forward to hearing from her today. So. Welcome today to Joanne Meyer.
1: Thank you, Ryan. I look forward to having our discussion today.
0: Oh, brilliant. So I first had the pleasure of meeting Joanne on Telstra's award-winning NAS implementation project around three or four years ago. I headed up the consulting team that was responsible for building the first POC of that project. With great regret, my employer bundled me off to another project after doing that POC instead of continuing on, but. Joanne and the team were able to continue carrying that project forward. That was a really exciting project, wasn't it, Joanne?
1: Yes, Ryan, but NAS was still in its infancy stage. Guy Lupo, the founder and pioneer of NAS, was just starting to test his innovation. I remembered a time where he was very secretive about his project. Guy would come in and he would draw on his iPad and talk about his ideas. But you couldn't have a copy. He would just draw things. But later on, he did change his mind, and he hired me to promote NAS in the industry and with the Standards Organization.
0: Ah, brilliant, brilliant. And we'll come back a little bit to NAS as part of uh, your career journey a little bit later on. But first, I'd like to look back into the earlier part of your career journey. After completing a maths and computer science degree, you joined Nortel when it was still called Northern Telecom. And that was an absolute icon of the canadian big business at the time in fact it accounted for about a third of the total valuation of the toronto stock exchange at one point are you able to describe a little bit about what you started working out on what kind of projects and so forth sure
1: i think that throughout my entire career my, my focus has always been on the management of networks. So actually after one year with Nortel, I moved to Germany and became the support engineer for the management platform of all of Nortel's European X-25 networks. So I upgraded them all from Finland to Ireland, to Portugal, to Switzerland, to France, and many, many, many networks in Europe. But the one that I would say was very special to me is the fact that I trained the director and her staff to manage the first X25 network in early 1990 in Ankara, Turkey. It was their first data network. So that was pretty special to me.
0: That's awesome. And from there, you jumped across to Newbridge Networks, another Canadian tech icon, working with the 46020. Um, Newbridge Network Manager and the origins of that product can really be traced through to the 5620 SAM, which is really responsible for managing many Nokia access networks around the world even today. That must have been really groundbreaking work at the time too, Joanne.
1: Absolutely, Ryan. After coming back to Canada, I decided to try something different than the Nortel. So I went with uh, Newbridge and That was truly exciting time. It was so much smaller than Nortel. So you got to do a lot more roles all at once. Mm -hmm. My focus was on adding X-25 and frame relay and, and later on, of course, ATM. And the first incarnation, that was back in 1994. So the first incarnation was actually called the 4602 which Mm -hmm. then became the 46.020 with Alcatel because Alcatel were using five-digit numbering for their product.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. And
1: and this time, my, my travels to meet customers went beyond Europe into Asia and South America. I even remember Terry Matthews coming down the hall and asking if I could join him and a couple of other people to fly down to Caracas, Venezuela, to meet with the service provider executives, followed by a reception in our local office. So it was all in a day's work, just flying off to Venezuela for the day and back, you
0: know. Uh, it true, was.
1: It was it was it was quite amazing back in those days. Yeah, we we had an executive jet that would go between, you know, Ottawa and Herndon in the states where our head office was and you could just take that jet if it wasn't full basically. So, it was quite interesting.
0: Fantastic. And all I've ever done is got to travel uh, economy class or cattle class. That's awesome having your own personal jet.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: Newbridge was then absorbed into Alcatel-Lucent. Uh, did that also result in a change of role, a bigger role as Director of OSS-BSS in the CMO? And was it more of a public-facing role too, by way of doing lots of presentations at big conferences and summits?
1: Yeah, so basically, Newbridge was acquired by Alcatel in 2000, and then we merged with Lucent in the late 2006. But While I was with Alcatel, I decided to combine our network management portfolio and revenue and promote that to telecom analysts, such that they could put Alcatel on the map with the analyst community. Mm. And this is why the analysts started covering the equipment supplier market in their OSS, because they thought that uh, suppliers, equipment suppliers, would give the management platform for free. But I was able to show to them that, no, we're actually making a lot of money from our EMSs, that we were selling those. And then uh, after that, when Alcatel had a BSS and, and OSS services team, uh, which I then joined as director of marketing. So instead of just promoting the EMS and MS, then I started adding the the revenue that we were making in the BSS and the the OSS services. And then once we had the Lucent merger, then I just kept on promoting all of the OSS BSS product and services at conferences and with analysts until uh the start of the layoffs basically. Mm-hmm. So but but we made a lot of revenue in in those days. And this is why you will see back in the days of Probably 2004 or 5 or 6, around those years, Alcatel had a number one position there. Mm.
0: And really, really savvy decision in making it and bringing that out to the analysts too, because it would have really differentiated yourselves in the market as well. Because, and we see it even today with many of the equipment vendors, it's equipment first and the software's an afterthought. But Alcatel definitely took up a a really strong position back around about that time. And your role as thought leader in the OSS-BSS space was clearly blossoming as you were invited onto the board of TM Forum around about this time too. Are you able to describe a little bit more about the, the impact of this role?
1: Yes, it was actually great. So I was appointed to the TM Forum Board of director back in 2004. And yes, the the request came by invitation from the selection committee and had to be approved at the annual general meeting of the TM Forum. And I was part of several TM Forum committees and led the supplier committee because I worked for Alcatel back then and then later on Alcatel-Lucent because after the Alcatel-Lucent merger, the Lucent TMF board representative retired. I kept the role representing the entire company. So it was a wonderful experience. And I still have many, many friends from that time. I even mentored and lobbied and supported Oracle's head of communications business unit, Doc Soriano, when he was appointed to the TMF board of director after I came back from Canada
0: Mm. or
1: to Canada, from Melbourne. Mm.
0: Yeah, and we'll come back a little bit more onto TMF-related issues a little bit later in the the chat as well. And you touched on coming to Melbourne as well, so here in Australia with organizations like Ericsson and Analysis Mason. Was it harder to change the world of OSSBSS from down here in this remote outpost?
1: (laughs) It was definitely very hard because... Melbourne is a wonderful city to live in and and I really hope that I will be back again at least back and forth but it's also very challenging to participate in standards meetings that are more typically geared towards Europe and North America time zones the the time just does doesn't suit very well and you, you as you know I'm sure
0: <laughs> absolutely 2 a.m. 3 a.m. meetings yeah. with the the team forum which I don't attend as many as I would like to or should, but uh, it's certainly a challenging time zone for us down here. And that was followed by a return to Canada to lead marketing of Oracle's orchestration solutions, which included some award-winning TM Forum Catalyst projects as well. It was probably around this time that the orchestration buzzword was really taking off in the OSS-BSS vernacular. Even though really I guess the the concept had been around much longer as like flow through provisioning and so forth, but was Oracle introducing any particular innovations that were really shaping the market around that time?
1: Um, I mean, it wasn't just about orchestration, but it was the time of the Etsy Mano and the VNF management mm. and well, we all know where that went. Um, <laughs> But it is at the TMF Catalyst event in Nice 2017 that I actually met with Guy Lupo. Mm. And Guy spent over an hour explaining his concept and idea, of course, on his iPad and not being able to show me stuff. And I said, Guy, can I just at least take one picture of one of the drawings that you have? And he let me take one picture. (laughs) And And then on my return flight, I thought about what Guy was trying to explain. And I'm very good at taking notes. I take notes and notes and notes. And then I I thought about what he said and then I summarized it in an email. And then he said that I had explained his idea very well and he was so happy that I had understood what he was trying to achieve. (laughs) And in a few months later, after my entire group at Oracle was let go Guy offered me a position with Telstra
0: you're exactly right it, it was a really really interesting concept and this is where things get really interesting or at least I think so and it's the topic of this uh, this conversation so the nas journey begins uh, are you able to tell us a little bit about why nas is such an important concept so you talk a little bit there about taking some of the those notes and getting excited about it just based on some of guy's visuals that he's brilliant at articulating his ideas on the on the ipad as he does and but yeah i'd love to hear a little bit more about why what it is and why it's such an important concept
1: sure so NAS basically uses open standard technology and vendor agnostic APIs to hide the network details and expose these to the OSS and BSS system as service abstraction. So think about the network capabilities becoming reusable Lego block that form part of a catalog. And then these atomic services can then be used To make up multiple different products and offers. And in fact, if you saw or attended a few of the events that that we did. We would bring a set of Lego blocks and then Guy, I remember Guy sitting there and we had a we had a machine to put labels. And so we, we would have these labels on, on our Lego block, which represented different things, and then we would we would swap the Lego blocks suppliers or we would change them from PNF to VNF and ensure that the top layer wouldn't be affected when we mm-hmm. change things, just to try to explain the NAS concept. So it was really creative and an interesting way of trying to get our, our message across but today these days like every good new technology that comes in every supplier always want to jump on the buzzword mm-hmm. because everybody says oh it's it's an asset it's new or you know think about sd1 or even nFv in the old days but then they try to to shape it such that they can reuse it to fit with their product suite. Mm. And so you'll hear some suppliers referring to NAS to describe an on-demand service offered by a service provider enabled by a virtualized network technology and presented via an enterprise portal, which they enabled, right? Mm. But, but this capabilities is actually more of an external benefit from the internal NAS concept that Telstra has pioneered and that the TM forum and Etsy ZSM have formalized, which is the one that I've been working on. So there's quite a lot of revenue and a lot of benefits associated uh, with NAS because there's so much cost saving and new revenue opportunities for service providers. When you think about being able to expose these capabilities with a Separation
0: of concerns.
1: Yeah, the separation of yeah. concerns between the IT and the network by by using those APIs. And then it allows you to then upgrade each each side independent of one another and so on. It has a lot of cost saving, but not only those things, but then but then now with having an API gateway in there, it allows you to expose your capabilities not just to your IT teams, but also towards the public. And the developers that are like the enterprise or, or the 5G apps developers and so on. So it allows you to expose your capabilities to, to those peoples as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The thing that really made it groundbreaking for me, there were two concepts that Guy introduced that were somewhat groundbreaking in my mind. And the separation of concerns was the really big one because, I guess previously to put a new product into... The entire IT stack meant coordinating product and marketing and IT and networks and getting them all lined up and particularly in the really big organizations where they're very siloed and often very bureaucratic, that separating those out by putting the the NAS shim through the middle of that, basically allowing networks to do their thing and, and create the building blocks and then then the, the product and marketing team to come in separately and say, okay, we can use those building blocks and we can create these services. So to me, it was just a, a revolutionary concept that I really felt was going to significantly reduce time to market of new products, as well as the, the additional benefits of having the, I guess the API contracts that people could just go and use that like building blocks but the other aspect that he built in was really using more of a cloud native concept to to really separate it out from a lot of the concerns. So as we know, getting these projects through in really big organizations is often major security hurdles and, and major bureaucratic hurdles and technological hurdles. So just being able to kind of separate that out and put it into a cloud to do proof of concept and things like that was just a, a brilliant concept for that particular piece of work. But are you able to tell us a little bit about the Telstra NAS project and your role within it that Guy brought you in to be involved with?
1: So Guy really hired me to help both with the internal and the external education and promotion of NAS. The, the problem is that even when we started training internally, what is NAS and so on, we, we always had to educate our team what it means to them and so on. And, and if the people don't understand why they need it or why is it so good and so uh-huh. on, they become detractors and, mm. and they will push back and they will actually put block and, and start rumors and and it just won't go anywhere because then you'll have all of this detractions in, in the background. And so you really need to promote and to push internally the benefits, A, for the company overall, and then what roles will everyone play in that transformation? Because otherwise people will also start to fear They'll have fear about mm-hmm. losing their job and what it will mean to them. And then they'll either become non-active or they'll push back or they fear never brings any good feeling at all. So it was very apropos to actually train train them internally. But because guy is the one that sort of created it, it was it came from inside. And here's a second thing is that. Normally, people don't really trust the fact that you've had this idea and it's a great idea, but hey, you know, it involves changing the way things are being done, not just process wise, but also putting in these APIs. And we needed the industry to adopt this to be successful, because if they were only doing it for Telstra, then Telstra would have to pay all the time for putting these changes, these enhancements and so on. And so my task was not only to try to educate internally, but also to bring the industry to understand the benefit that NAS would have. And so basically, we we started working on a way to say, OK, well, what are the what are the events, the conferences we need to target so that we can speak at those event? And then also, what are the standards or industry collaboration teams that we need to work with to have them understand what needs to happen. The first two I would say that I've worked with was Etsy ZSM because I realized that this is where there's a lot more, Etsy brings the the crew of, of the suppliers that are more network focused. You'll have like, you'll have the, the telecom equipment suppliers more than you'll have the OSS, BSS, because NAS, the original target of NAS is really the network and that the fact that the network is now exposing their network capabilities. But if you think about the TM forum, yes, it does have the APIs, but it doesn't have the community of the network suppliers. Mm -hmm. And so to influence the network suppliers, I had to go to a standards group that had more of those target audience within it. And just at the same time, the, this Etsy Zero Touch Service and Network Management Group was just starting. Mm-hmm. And so it was a great opportunity for me to influence by bringing in the requirements that Telstra had that would lead to NAS and influence that group. And they, if you look at their architecture, uh, they basically have a, a NAS architecture. And so uh, we did great work with, with them in doing that. And so now from that architecture, uh, Etsy's Etsy them went on to look at doing more like closed loop architecture, but still taking into account the abstraction, how to expose things northbound and using standard APRs in between.
0: I love the the real strategic nature of that change approach. So So often projects in this space fail because of a a lack of change management planning. But there were so many layers of the thinking that you and Guy brought together around that change management because it is a significant shift in the way of working, the way things are done currently. But I think it's important for that separation of concern that we we talked about earlier. And as we mentioned earlier, it was an award-winning project. Are you able to describe what some of the project's greatest achievements were and why it was award-winning?
1: Um well we actually had in terms of award winning we actually made sure that we got data i mean i i kept on asking the team to give me some data that would justify saving time saving benefits and so on and we did have some solid data around the savings okay and and because of that then we were able to then submit for uh, doing some winning some awards. And we've won a number of awards from 2017, 2018 and uh, 2019 was where we won several awards for NAS not only with catalyst, but we had one award with layer one two three and we also had in 2018 and 2019 we had two different uh, TMF excellence award. And my task was also to involve a lot more senior executive within Telstra to, so that to to recognize the involvement of people within Telstra. And then in 2019, we had the, the new head of networks that uh, went to the TM Forum and received that, uh, that award.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I uh, remember that one vividly. So you yeah. clearly spotted the importance of what this project or perhaps NAS more generically offered to the telco industry because you then formed NAS Compass. Are you able to tell the listeners a little bit more about NAS Compass, what it does, how it serves and who it serves?
1: Sure, of course. NAS Compass offers strategic advisory services and comprehensive governance framework and provides the first NAS transformation and NAS API Online Training Courses. So the primary target is the service provider community. It is vendor agnostic and represents all the work that was done in the standards group. As Guy also put in a a quote, is the fact that he wished he would have had this NAS compass training when he started NAS as he spent at least six months educating people on NAS. And every time you had a new person, you had to re-explain what that was. And he said he wasted so much time in just doing training because there was always, you know, new people coming aboard trying to convince. I mean, you had a lot of people. If you think about all of the different network groups and then the IT teams and so on, you had a lot, a lot of people to, to educate and convinced of the benefits and why they should do that. Because people are reluctant on change, of course. They um, all, it always change, always bring some fears. And so the longer it takes to educate people, then the more you know, they're afraid of losing their jobs and the risk and so on, right? So there is nothing else today, like a NAS compass in the market for service providers contemplating a NAS transformation and what it involves. So we, we offer all sorts of uh, all sorts of online training and a tool that basically provides them with all of the major projects, all the things they need to look at. So for example, would you have thought that you needed to you should create an intranet to make sure that you, you have all of your domain and knowing where to find the information, maybe having the postman script to test their APIs, the status of the API gateways. And, you know, there, there's so many things that, that needs to happen that I have created this program management that basically lists all of the tasks that should happen to A, do the discovery side and build your business case then to do the planning, for example, how to set your metadata model. What are, what are the terminology you're going to use between the network and IT and agree on those things? And then to do the execution, what needs to happen? So so NAS Compass encompasses all of those things together.
0: Mm. Also, you described a lot of the tasks that I spent that six months teaching new people and so forth. A lot of that was a really hearts and minds type exercise by the sounds of it. And what you described about the courses, they're quite technical in nature and very, I guess, right brain. Is there also those elements of the, the hearts and minds for somebody who has to be the project champion and really drive the significant change around NAS and giving them the tools to win the hearts and minds in amongst that as well?
1: Yeah, so I what we offer is the overview course, which is not as in-depth as the as the technical courses, mm-hmm. but provides you with a really good overview. And and we can customize these such that such that a service provider saying, okay, well, this is what we're going to be doing. Then we can customize it to put their logo, their branding and so on. And then they can push it because service provider will always have a make a business case. Mm. And then from the business case, they will want to say, well, this is what we want to do, right? We're doing it because of ABC. This is what we're trying to achieve by mm. doing this. In the training courses, I have a number of uh, videos that I show and that, uh, for example, AT&T did such a, a short video as to why they want to do NAS, uh, which they presented when we did our catalyst together at the TM Forum last year. And they said, OK, well, our focus, this is what we this is why we're doing NAS and this is the focus for it and so on. So so every service provider will do NAS for a certain reason. Maybe mm. a Vodafone is typically more focused at addressing the developers. They, they really want to go after the developers because they're so global. Whereas, you know, others may want to focus more on the cost reductions. And they're doing NAS because they want to remove all the custom APIs that makes up all this spaghetti mess of, of APIs that you have that cost so much money, which hinder you in trying to move forwards and so on. Mm-hmm. So everyone will have a different reason why they would want to do NAS. Maybe it's both as well, but, you know, it allows us to talk about the benefits and then also uh, customize it so that they can reuse this to promote it internally within their own organizations.
0: Yeah, really brilliant point. Because hearts and minds is so different within different organisations, and the, the the org chart, the the politics, the technology stacks, and so forth. So yeah, really. really it's amazing the
1: politics that will that, this will encounter.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I guess that's the really important factor around the separation of concern as well is to break that apart so that there is less friction between silos and it allows the silos to operate within their own silo to a a bigger extent than currently.
1: Exactly. Uh, I mean, this is, this is another big, huge benefit. Talk about, you know, not just cost reduction, but the fact that they'll have the separation of concern and they all work towards just an API. And so mm -hmm. changing, changing, you know, a release or an upgrade version, whether it's northbound or southbound to that API, um, you only have to test against that API and make sure mm. that it works.
0: Mm. Instead yeah, of
1: not, instead of all the spaghetti that you'll have to test for your regression testing.
0: Yeah, and where the spaghetti also includes people and not just the IT stack, but the, the spaghetti that we are as people in these organizations. So From the outside looking in, I I can see you've spent a stack of time developing content and course material to serve this market. So firstly, congratulations and and thank you for doing that on behalf of the the industry, but more importantly, are you able to tell us a little bit more about the courses that you have available? You've touched on them a little bit in the the earlier statements, but yeah, can you describe the, the courses and syllabi?
1: Yes, yeah, so the first is, as I was saying, the NAS Compass course the overview is a 15 minutes on NAS transformation that is for everyone mm. to understand what NAS transformation really means and, and the benefits. But then I have two other technical course that are more in-depth around the NAS transformation and around the NAS API. So what are the APIs that w- you will need uh, when you're thinking about doing the lifecycle management of the services that are going to be exposed, the network domain now needs to handle all of those APIs. So you'll have the fulfillment APIs, you'll have the assurance and the testing, and and you'll have your service problem management. Service qualifications and so on. So we have the list of APIs that we recommend. It doesn't mean that those are the only thing. Of course, we start from there, and then you can grow as you need mm-hmm. to. And in actual, the the version five, we will probably add more APIs. But those are the basic one that uh, that we should have to fulfill the full life cycle. And and then the course goes on into talking more about the principles and NAS principles and the best practices that are extracted from experience and work in the TM forum and uh, where we create NAS uh, specification and uh, in the API project.
0: Yeah, and the API is a really important part of it too because uh, I guess the the NAS is really driven by uh, APIs and just having that, internal api shim i guess for want of a better word is quite different than the way it may be done uh, currently and the fact that it's building on the open api project of TM Forum, which maybe not all telcos are using just yet so i can see exactly why it's so important to have that as a big part of the course and i assume that the material has been really battle-hardened built upon the learnings of projects like telstra's and like the the productization of NAS within the Ciena Blue Planet Project and, and others as well?
1: Yes, so what we're doing is not only include uh, our experience at Telstra, but also the the NAS asset that we are building currently in the TM Forum, So such as the IG 1224 NAS Service Fulfillment Guideline, uh, I lead this particular uh, project, but I do have involvement from NBN co and Telstra and Telenor and uh, we had AT&T and so on. So we do have people that are coming and joining us and then we build this on contribution and we've generated, we're at starting version four of this particular document. At the same time right now, we are doing another piece of work that talks about the open digital architecture. So this is the flagship Mm -hmm. of the TM Forum. And what the TM Forum is doing is creating transformation guides. And so helping service provider understanding how they can use the TM Forum assets. And so we have now started to work on, it's called the IG 1228 ODA flow with NAS. And it's currently being written and uh, and in there, we show how you would do something but in a NAS way as opposed mm. to a traditional way of doing things. Then the other thing that we have, which I also lead, is the TM uh, 909, TMF909 909 NAS API Component Suite. And, uh, and, of course, I've done a, a number of NAS catalysts. Uh, but NAS Compass also has advisors such as Guy Lupo, and I do have consultants. So, for example, when we created the NAS API course, I had Pierre Gautier to consult with us to create that course. Pierre leads the TMF API architecture and uh, and basically we, we used his um, his consulting to make sure that the course was accurate.
0: Mm. Well, I really share the passion for the the potential of a NAS transformation as well. We talked about a little bit earlier on about the importance of standing up business cases as well around this and are there any particular metrics or outcomes that you really feel those transformations can drive and maybe what are the, the key pillars of transformation within business cases that you see?
1: so i think one of the best one and because you'll be able to to read it or to listen to it is the atat catalyst results for key metrics that they estimated based on a complex nas wavelength service so they decided to look at doing their first project you know on, on something that is very manual today that you have a lot of swivel chairs that is very complex to create the wavelength service and they said well if we can apply NAS to this, let's just see how much gain, how much benefits we would gain from that. And and so from their estimates of, of how we basically took a wavelength service and how we decomposed it into a set of atomic services, how this would then, and then apply the APIs from that perspective, then they basically looked at it and said that they it reduces their operational efficiency by 40%, including process time and order form rationalization. Because remember, we are trying to hide the how we do things. And so they don't need to fill in all of those extra attributes that were really Uh, resource level focus, Mm -hmm. because now the network, you just send them the intent of saying, I want this, and it will decide which supplier and how it will deliver this. And so you suddenly, your order forms for the operator to fill in is, is a lot simpler. You're also reducing the time to bring new services to market and time to revenue by 50% 50% from their estimation, from the way they're doing things today, with the way that NAS would be able to allow them to do it, they believe it would reduce an order fallout and swivel chair by about 40%, and um, enabling telco to expose their network capability more easily to third parties. So, if you think about how you would be able to expose things to to third party, or even think about it, if you were if you were doing nas today and and all service providers would be doing nas so they'd expose their capability northbound through tm forum apis and then you want to merge with another company or you're acquiring another company imagine then suddenly this other company all expose their their services through apis and you just plug that in because they all use the same apis and so your northbound suddenly your product portfolio just just increases, you, may, you, may, you will consolidate your, your product offerings and then you can just send your requests through, through all of these sets of APIs. So NAS, in fact, will, will really help in, in so many ways.
0: Absolutely. Building the, the catalog building blocks on top of that gives so much flexibility to the really creative marketing and product types to, to really go their hardest and make all these innovative products and bundles but without having a significant impact on network and the, the IT and network orchestration that sits underneath it, which is uh, really interesting. Now we briefly touched on some of your potential customers at, at NAS Compass. How would you describe your ideal customers? Obviously carriers are on the list, but you would, you also put vendors as well, and maybe even SIs as being uh, targets or potential customers for NAS Compass?
1: Well, I admit my initial target has definitely been the service provider market because I was trying to be very vendor agnostic, in fact. Suppliers, if you think about the suppliers, they sell to either the IT side of the house or the network sides, typically. Their goal is to sell products and not guide service providers on how to transition to NAS and getting caught up in the service provider's politics. I even had one supplier telling me recently that since they had a multi-vendor NMS, which could manage and select the resources, that meant that service providers didn't mean NAS. So there's still a lot of education that needs to be done because suppliers tend to only view their little bit, but they don't see all the politics and everything that is involved inside of a service providers, regulations. uh, There's so many things that, that impacts even how they get their budget, who gets mm. the budget, why they get their budget, you know, and, and NAS will come into there and suddenly reduce a lot of the budget, right? Mm. Because they don't need as many SI. And, and the SI budget, let's just say, used to be padded so that they could use a bit of that money to do other things in terms of maintenance and so on. Mm. And they have no view in in that and how the organization and the power play of the organization. So maybe one domain is in, is in charge of, let's just say, transport or, or IP or media, and the way that they get their funding, they may take on something else that normally they wouldn't, just so that they they get the project, the overall project, so that they can get more, more money, more budget around this. Suppliers don't see all, all of those things. And so it's very... It's very hard for the for the for a supplier to come in and say, here, I'm recommending how you should organize yourself for NAS and what your domain should or should not do and so on. I mean, their goal is to sell a product, right? Mm. And they don't need to get involved in, in all the politics. So so my course was really trying to target the service providers themselves. But from from my experience with suppliers as well, I think my next project will be to create a course for the supplier community Mm -hmm. because we really complement each other because everything that we do in the standards and NAS Compass is about the internal organization of the suppliers with building new processes, new principle and best practices for the transition. And, And I want to work with supplier so that I can help them in positioning for their product as to where they fit so that they can either sell NAS on their and position it, you know, where they fit. You know, think about NFV Mano and everybody mm. says, well, I fit here and I do this bit and I do that. And so I would like for them to say, well, I support NAS because I have ABC, right? Mm. And so I think that we really complement each other i will work with the organization and how how the organization needs to transform how they do their whole business case and so on and then and then the supplier can then sell and understand how to sell their product in there because i i am not trying to promote one one supply over another i think my next project would be the suppliers and then what we offer is that we we do a, a bundle a bundle of 10 students for both technical courses I offer then a 90 minute session with each instructor to allow for Q and A. And actually I had a really good session this morning with a group of 10 students who were looking for guidance on where to start their NAS transformation and how to create that business case to justify the investment. And, you know, it's hard to then say, I want to do NAS and put a big number because we have to change everything. Whereas, well, maybe we do we do NAS here and this much of it, and then we get the funding for that because that's going to be a lot easier than going with a big bang transformation. And so, so things like that, we offer uh, service providers some some consultancy to to help them.
0: That makes a lot of sense too, and. Promoting that standardization of their northbound interfaces and their orchestration, like network orchestration type uh, capabilities, I think would be an important part of them coming along the journey to facilitate NAS and become standardised and just bolt straight into the the concept of NAS for for others to use further up the stream. But the part that I mean, was I, really
1: I'll give you another t- another um uh, thing that I I found along the way is when I started getting involved with uh, the Catalyst with AT&T, you know, the first thing they were telling me is like, ah, oh, we're, we're talking to all of our, our different network team and we're telling them that they need to implement the TM Forum APIs and mm-hmm. so on. And, and I get so much pushback. I said, well, that's because you're not selling NAS. Mm-hmm. You, you go to them and you're saying, well, they have to implement TM Forum APIs. And the first thing they'll go back is they say, well, I already have APIs. What's mm-hmm. so different? Why do I need the TM Forum APIs? And and the point is that you don't you don't go in and say well we're doing NAS, and so you need to put in the TM Forum APIs because the network team will go TM Forum what mm-hmm. Like they they've never come across the TMF really I mean that's they they may come across an Etsy or they'll come across 3GPP and they'll mm-hmm. come across maybe a MEF. But TMF, I mean, that's that focuses on the OSS, BSS, And so coming to them and saying, well, we want you to replace all your APIs and put TM forum APIs is not the right approach. Mm. And and you, you know, you have to you have to position it in the proper light so that so that they come along with you and they don't push back and say, oh, that's so stupid. Why why should we do this? We already have APIs, what's so different with those APIs, right? Mm. And that's not at all the purpose of nas
0: hmm. but i guess that non-standardized nature of those apis is is the whole driver so reducing the integration tax and uh, george glass the cto of tm forum and ex um, x executive with bt articulated that really well in our previous podcast actually episode 17 around the whole api open api initiative that tm forum is doing so
1: Absolutely. And I listened to George as well. And, and George will tell you that George and Laurent and Lester together, but they're from the IT side. So they're, they were very, very well aware of TMF because Mm. that's typically the the team, their CIOs, (laughs) they come from that side, not the network group.
0: Yeah, really valid point. And it was really yeah. interesting too that you raised the the challenge around budget. And I guess that's where the separation of concern again comes into play, that if you can separate marketing from IT from from networks, it means each one of them have got their separate budgets. Whereas in the standard mode of operation today, standing up a new product requires all three of them to coordinate and often to get coordinated budget and just different budget cycles. They don't necessarily all line up. So a really important point that you made there about just by separating things out makes you more likely to be able to get the budget for whoever's driven to, to make a change, whether that's a marketing team or a networking team wanting to drive change. So really important well, to call a that. A lot of there. their
1: budget, yeah, a lot of their budget won't be used as system integration anymore. They can be used for more innovation.
0: Yeah, yep and technology change and and things like that. So yeah, really important call out. Now we've touched also on, you're an active participant in, and also a distinguished fellow of the TM Forum. Do you still hold an official role there?
1: Yeah, because I lead the IG twelve twenty four NAS project. I'm also responsible for the TMF nine oh nine NAS API component suite and also some other individual APIs. I'm also a judge in the upcoming Excellence Award.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And do you I see won't tell you which one? <laughs> and do you see TM Forum is holding a really important place in the future development of NAS, especially I guess around the open APIs? Is that A key driver behind what you're looking to achieve as well?
1: Um, Well, the the open API is definitely a key part of NAS, but with the IG 1224 work that we are doing there, we are explaining a bit more about how NAS is about and, and the separation of the production layer and how it talks to the core commerce layer, which is you know, the BSS side and the OSS side, and how they interact through the API gateways and they call it decoupling and integration and the ODA terminology. And so I think that the the TM forum, certainly this is where we, or I have spent a lot more time in promoting NAS and the, the service providers that are working around NAS will find a lot more information in that level than uh, they would in any other uh, standards group. Now, I I was just requested in a couple of months ago to speak at a uh, layer one, two, three event. And I was requested to speak at the Etsy ZSM. They had a a special workshop and they asked me to to present why you would use Etsy ZSM. And basically the point is that to put in an Etsy ZSM, which is really a NAS architecture if you want, why would service provider change their current implementation or by the way it exists today, even though you know it's very inefficient and so on? Why would they change it? And to me, the one of the main reasons for changing something that's up and running is for either cost saving or you need to change it to address a new market. Right? It makes you more mm-hmm. efficient and so on. And, and to do, to say that I'll go and, and implement a SAM architecture, you'll have that. But also the fact that a, a NAS architecture will now also be a, a perfect start for your autonomous network, which I know that George also talked about. But think about it, right? If you your network technologies or capabilities that you are exposing and let's say you're exposing a tv service and you're exposing a transport service and you're exposing uh, a cable service and so on and if you can abstract this and they can all all be ordered assured and and billed for and so on using the same apis then you have that same concept to be able to do autonomous network, because now you're addressing these things independent of the technology, because the technology becomes just a payload of it. And, and suddenly it allows you to build a foundation also for your autonomous network, because you, you're really agnostic of technology to be able to do things in a more automated way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's just a, a great way to move forward. And so uh, to me, the TMF is a, is a great place to start building on, on all of those things. And NAS plays a big role for that.
0: Yeah, and just as you were talking through that too, it, it sort of made me feel like the, it also facilitates the different layers of orchestration. So service orchestration, business orchestration, network orchestration by kind of having those breakpoints uh, through the stack now as well. That at the moment is all just, as you said earlier, that's kind of the spaghetti mess. But now you mm. have those, those breakpoints that facilitates better orchestration as well. So as you've been talking through, clearly you're involved heavily with some of the standards bodies. It seems like you're probably the linking key between MEF and Etsy and TM Forum and, and so forth. And it seems to me that NAS really has affinities with across all of those. And in my mind, at least in a perfect world collaboration between these standards bodies would see, say the service definitions defined by MEF, just like they have for carrier ethernet and then piggyback onto some of the great work that TM Forums, OpenAPIs, NAS, ODA standards have been doing. How do you see the two organizations, or maybe throw in Etsy as well, and the three organizations working together to all contribute and bring a, a great outcome across NAS?
1: Actually, we are really making progress. When um, when I was with uh, with Telstra, I was helping the the wholesale people participating in the MEF, and at that point, they were the MEF were had decided they weren't going to be using uh, the TMF APIs, mm, but they mm. moved away from that, and so I was really pushing. To realign the MEF and the TMF and saying, look, guys, the MEF should be the payload, the technology mm. payload, and reuse the TM Forum APIs. And I got, uh, I got Vodafone and I got Orange, and uh, Orange was already in there trying to fight their way. But anyway, I got Telstra and I got lots of other service provider. And then we finally created. That was in. February of last year, the last meeting that we had in in Lisbon, our our team action week before the COVID took around. And and there we decided to start a MEF TMF project in particular. And anyone who's a member of either organization can attend uh, the weekly calls. And of course, uh, Ryan, it would be at 2 a.m. for you. uh Perfect. So, hey more than welcome If you've got an insomnia that night you can, you can join us the the work is slightly more complicated than you know what what you think it might be but the point is that the mef why they had divergence because the mef wants to ensure that there is no misunderstanding in the definition of the api envelope but the TM forum always tried to make it more generic such mm. that yes you can reuse that api for for doing anything in particular, mm. right? even though it's fulfillment, you've added over the years a lot of attributes that you can that you can reuse to do certain things or mm. helping uh, with certain technologies and
0: so on, right? Or but, IoT but, or smart cities or any of these other parallel universes. Right.
1: But MEF, because you want to do service provider to service provider, either the product layer or at the service layer through interlude and so on, you want to be able to make it more strict. You want to be able that there's no misunderstanding in the definition of each of those attributes that are there and that the choice is, is obvious, right? It's either this or that or here's an array of this is your choices or this or blah, blah, blah. All right. You really want to remove anything that could be optional or misinterpreted. And so, and so basically what we are working on now is that the TMF is doing something to standardize or or putting together a framework such that now it's going to work. That framework will not just work with math, but it will be able to work with other standards organizations, such as Etsy, such Mm -hmm. as 3GPP, and so on. And so the the, the TM Forum is really uh, looking at putting the real framework for the reusability of, of their API, but letting different organization making it tighter so that it can support their needs. And we will have that framework available for version 5.0 of the TMF API. So right now we've updated most of the APIs. Uh, They should be all at uh, 4.0 There's still a few stragglers, but uh, most of the APIs are at 4.0 and we are also uh, creating version 5.0, which also correspond to the OAS 3.0 that we're gonna be supporting instead of Swagger 2.0.
0: it's fantastic to hear that the collaboration has really moved forward Uh, i felt like well they have separate intent in a way previously Uh, so it's great to hear that they're starting to really bring the efforts together and would imagine that you've been a significant part in bringing those worlds together as well so um fantastic to hear now some of your earlier marketing roles and TM Forum involvement appear to have really given you a lot of opportunity to speak directly with customers, such as at conferences, but also like you, you talked about, about going down to Krakus. I feel like a lot of customer concerns of the past are still concerns today as an industry at OSSBSS and now NAS. We've come so far, but there still really seems to be so many ways in which we can improve. You are able to talk about maybe what are the biggest challenges that you're really hearing being raised by industry. Are they the same ones? Are they new ones? Any beliefs that you hold that appear contrarian to the rest of the industry, perhaps?
1: Um, I'd say, Ryan, that uh, has a lot more NAS knowledge then when we started the industry conferences in mm. Melbourne, when we hosted at uh, Telstra and TMF back in 2018, which mm. I believe you attended a few of those,
0: I did indeed.
1: Uh, so, a little bit
0: easier than two o'clock in the morning. So yeah, they were they yeah, were through exactly, the day, exactly. which made they were local. it easier.
1: they were local. Yeah. So I think that uh, back then it was still a paper a paper thing. People didn't think that it could happen and so on. And but we we pushed through. I mean, Guy really pushed the team creating their, the NAS uh, API gateway within Telstra and then getting the network team to participate and the IT team to see the benefits of it and so on. and and I think that we've certainly moved the needle and you know, all the industry conferences that I've been promoting and pushing the, the words and then starting the work within, within the TMF and the Etsy's of the and the MEF and so on. And, and I think there's a lot more out there. And sometimes I, it's really weird because for example, the, the customer that took my course, I hadn't no a clue that they were doing that. Mm-hmm. And and I, this morning, actually, I asked them I said, well, where, where did you find NAS Compass? <laughs> and they said, oh, we did a Google search. Oh, OK. <laughs> so so we did a Google search and we found you. We found that you did all the things and then we saw about NAS Compass and then we signed up for the courses like, oh. Okay, and there I thought it was for my LinkedIn, but I didn't recognize any of the names of the people that. took. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe it was somebody else who forwarded it to them, but no, it was just a, a pure Google search. So think about that.
0: Yeah. Um, so there's a real groundswell, obviously, of NAS. So I was kind of thinking same as you that it, it, it is, would be a big. Is, yeah,
1: yeah. I had I had somebody forwarding me a an email from from somebody else in in uh, it's a U.S. Uh, telco, and they. They came up to me and said, okay, so what is what is NAS? Where can I find the proper information about NAS and so on? I hadn't a clue these guys were doing NAS either. Mm. And so I think that that suppliers are talking about NAS. I know certainly Sienna Blue Planet, and I would say uh, Greg Tilton, another one that that you did a good uh, uh, interview with. Uh, he, he also was great. I mean, we did Greg from Digit, mm. and, and he... He was part of our early on, I guess, sandbox at Telstra, so we we have a few of of suppliers that are promoting that are promoting NAS, and then mm-hmm. after that, service provider go, well, what is NAS, and then they do their searches and then they start thinking about it, then they somehow <laughs> reach to me somewhere, but sometimes I approach service providers because through TM Forum and so on, and I'd say. You know, why aren't you doing NAS? And say, oh well, we're thinking about NAS, but we're not ready to start yet. Mm. And there's no doubt that NAS is a significant transformation, but it's also what's going to provide the biggest bank for the buck spent. Mm. I mean, continuing with today's course of action will not deliver on the agility that the service providers need to have to mm. compete against the hyperscalers. Or support the developers and the 5G application market opportunities that's coming about, even to support the scale that will be required. They can't do that by hand. They need to put in automation. And what are they waiting for? I'm just not sure. Maybe they think it's too hard and they don't even want to try. I'm not sure. But they're still there's still a lot of resistance because maybe they think that they need to have a big, huge budget before they can start NAS. Not 100% sure, but certainly I do get the time where we're not ready to start yet. But you know what? The hyperscalers is going to steal their customers away because Mm. to take over a year to produce something or being able to tell your customer, sorry, we can't do it because it would cost us too much money to do the small transformation that you're asking. If I think about changing something in, in my network and uh, I have to be able to change it equivalently in my OSS and that means it's a big, huge project and that will cost too much money. And I have to tell my customer, sorry, we can't do that change.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas
1: with NAS. You'd be so much more agile. You'll be able to do things so much faster. You'll be able to do a test right now with your sandbox. And whatever you're going to create for your sandbox, you'll be able to put live and your pre-production and then your production because your, your API stays the same. And then you'll be able to bring your customers, show them that, ask them for their feedback and then do an agile ways of production. Say, mm. do you like this? No. Would you like, oh, you want to change it here? Well, let me work on that and we can change it. It allows them to suddenly become more you know, agile-like in their, in their product and what they can deliver to the market.
0: really important too, and one of the things that I, I feel like one of the big opportunities for the telco market is dealing with big business managed service offerings, so whether it's the banks, the miners, and so forth, who have their own unique requirements. At the moment, it's really hard to make those transitions or give that flexibility to just maybe change a service offering in a small way. Uh, it becomes an extensive stack through all that spaghetti mess to, to make a change for some of those really big, really important type companies. But with uh, with NAS, it gives them the flexibility to do another slight variant on that service offering that is customized for the, the really big and demanding customers too.
1: Well, actually, Guy, uh, when we were still at Telstra, I mean, he would go to the banking industry and they wanted NAS themselves mm, because they mm-hmm. said we have the same issue. The different issue in terms of it's not scaling or you know number of subscribers or anything like this, but it was the fact that they wanted to put in. So, for example, I guess it was sort of a, a firewall software, you know, to to uh, be able to understand where where your firewall needs to needs to happen across all of your different business unit. And they mm. said. It would cost us too much money to try to do the uh, adaptation into all of our domains, and and so if they could uh, have that firewall being able to expose their services so that any of the domains could then consume it, then suddenly it made the business case. So so NAS it doesn't have to only be for service providers, mm. um, but it can it it also be beneficial for for enterprises.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure that many, I guess most carriers are probably thinking about those APIs as an internal API, internal contract for them to use. But I really feel like some of the opportunity is externals, like whether that's third parties or trusted developers or partners, or potentially to go to those big organizations that have their own, they want to develop their own customized portals or own customized bundles of offerings that they they want to do so oh, I think that's a, a huge opportunity around it for sure
1: yeah if you look at the Telstra and nas video okay it will see that in the future they see that they want their customers to be able to come in and being able to consume their services yep and yeah. that was part of one of the one of the future roadmap for for nas
0: yeah, and I guess one of the things that we've talked about, too, is there's possibly that thought process that we're talking about fulfillment or activation of services, but really the continuation of that is into the network service assurance as well, that, and also the autonomous networks that you talked about earlier. Does Do your courses go into that? that sort of follow on the network service assurance and the autonomous networks as well?
1: Um, I haven't gone further on the autonomous network because, really, even the TM Forum is is starting on that on that roadmap. Mm. So uh, it is definitely in presentation and conferences. I have talked a bit about how NAS will lead for the autonomous network and so on. But to do a course, I have to really teach about what's out there. What was the definition of autonomous network? And right now the TMF has uh, created a couple of white papers. You'll see Mm. my name on the white paper. And we talk about, you know, here's five different level of autonomy and where are you on that? And Mm. how can you move the needles? And what are you doing, and, and things like that, and and they also working on uh, the area of intent based, and so there are mm. information guides of the IG twelve fifty three, I believe is the number, where they they providing the definition of what is meant by an intent based APIs and intent based request and all of those things. So there's still, it's work in progress. And so we haven't gone too far that. but we are adding uh, more information, even on the IG 1224, which is a NAS today's call the service fulfillment. But in this version of V4.0, we are hoping together that the team, the NAS team are going to be adding more information from a uh, assurance point of view, and looking at it from uh, performance management and SLAs and service problem and things like that, so mm. so we are adding stuff. And as we get a, you know an approval, then I will bring that back into into the course. I don't mm. want to necessarily go with something that hasn't been sort of ratified. So
0: yeah, it makes perfect sense, and that's what I expected would be the case as well. So. So we're getting really close to the end here of the, the interview. Are there any real last pearls of wisdom that you would leave or want to leave with people either starting out the journey on NAS or maybe just even OSS, BSS in general? Any pearls of wisdom you've garnered over the years?
1: Everybody should just take the, the NAS overview course. It's it's really cheap. It, it's not a lot of money, but get a get a view of what NAS really means because, again, you know, in the industry, you will find different version of what NAS is, and the fact that it's it's a constant learning journey. Everything evolves, and and it's it's a great time to be to be there. Uh, it will definitely deliver the benefits that uh, that you're expecting. So, I think that uh, we've provided or we've covered a lot of the basis on this podcast of what NAS transformation and uh, what it's about. Uh, I'm not sure that I can think of uh, anything else.
0: And the thing that's exciting too is that the, the courses will have a lot of the hard-won learnings from some of these projects that have definitely been big transformation changes and changes don't come without their, their challenges. So it's great that you're covering that, uh, the processes, the frameworks, the, all of the building blocks that make up uh, a NAS transformation. So if people wanted to continue the conversation with you, Joanne, where can they find you?
1: Well, they can definitely find me on NAS Compass, www.nascompass.com, or find me on LinkedIn and just make sure you spell Joanne with an H.
0: Fantastic. I'll include those in the show notes for people to to jump on board. So thank you very much for, for being a guest on today's podcast and really enjoyed the insights. There's been some fantastic stuff in there today, Joanne. Thank you.
1: Oh, it's been a, a pleasure to join you on this podcast, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me.
0: it uh, been brilliant to have you on. Thanks again and thanks also to the audience who've been listening in and look forward to getting another episode out to you shortly. Thanks for listening to the Passionate About OSS podcast. You can find more episodes, more than 2,500 blogs, and our contact details over at passionateaboutoss.com.